Thought Warriors. What is up? Our learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. I feel like it's been a minute. Well, yeah, we missed the show. But it it just seems longer. I feel like I haven't talked feels, to you in a week. It feels longer for you? It feels longer? You Sorry, you, I guess I'm the only one who missed this, but it just feels longer. Well, I'm in Louisiana. We hear. So it's, 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 oh yeah, you can hear them downstairs <laughs> going crazy. Yeah, um, I'm in Louisiana, so it's a little different um, for me because it's like things are happening back to back to back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Are you having a good time? It's a lot of fun. You know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun. Uh, I um, went and saw my younger brother, Gavin, last night. He's 12 years old. Gavin Lathan. Um, and like, so here's the thing with my younger brother, right? It's it's odd. Right. With me and my little brother sometimes. I love him a lot. Okay. Uh, he's a great kid. Is in the sixth grade. He's going to the seventh grade. Aww, big time. But like, it's like my dad had a kid when I was 30 or 31 years old. And even at that time, I was like, dad, what are you doing? You know, my dad had already had congestive heart failure and I wasn't home. I was in LA doing my thing the whole time and now my dad's gone. So I don't sometimes know how to do it. You know what I mean? So I just bought my PlayStation 5. So you let your money do the talking. Yep. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, and he deserves it too. I'm sure he's for real. I, I hit him up and I asked him, I'm like, yo, Gav, do you have, uh, do you have a PlayStation? He goes, yeah, I got a PlayStation 4. And I was like, um, all right, I'm going to be, I'm going to bring you a PlayStation 5. And he goes, uh, Really? And I was Aww. like, yeah, do you want one? He was like, sure. He was so, and then I called his mom. It's like, yo, it's okay if I bring Gavin, a, if I buy Gavin a PlayStation 5. She goes, yeah, of course. So I bring him over there and he can't even contain himself. It's so, kids are so awesome. Do you remember the yes. time in life where someone could do something like that unexpected yes. and it just made your entire world? Yes. And it was just fun to watch him just, Calling his friends and calling his aunt and oh, just it was amazing. It was dope. Oh, I love the innocence of children, and that he still has that. I um, that's why it's fun to be around kids. You like it? I love it. I love it. You you like children, Rachel? I love children. Mm. It's interesting. Shut up, man. What? What? I could see oh. you having like a, a like what? a like why a you, why is anti-child that agenda. Why? Because what like, would make you think that you've seen me with my nephews? Yeah, but those are some easy kids to like. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> those are th- those are kind of the like those are the kids where you know it, it, you think that you like kids because those are some cool kids to be around. Like those They're are some easy cool. kids to like. <laughs> um, but you know, sometimes Rach, you don't like things that everybody else likes. <laughs> so, so you gonna love children into that? Children and chocolate. If I was to write an article about Rach right now, it would be called "Children and Chocolate." 
I love kids and I'm actually really good with kids. They love me. My mom mom says it's because of my big head and my big eyes. She says I'm like a Tweety Bird to them. (laughs) My mom said Oh my God. Pretty hair can be ruthless sometimes. Pretty hair, get off <laughs> on you, man. Like, what the hell? That's the kind of thing to give you a complex, man. She low-key was scoring on me. But yes, I mean it is true. I have a big head and big eyes. Um, how how was your how's your week been? It was Memorial Day. I've been in Louisiana. Yeah. And what have you been up to? Man, I've been chilling. And it has been really, really nice. I didn't do much at all for Memorial Weekend. I stayed at home, got some things done, then decided mm-hmm. to take a break from all that, hung out with the girls, um, Miss Nina Parker and company. We I saw went y'all. To, you guys went to Nobu? We went to Nobu. Just rolled up in there. We didn't even have reservations. Mm. We just Pop. played it. Just played it. Uh, Nina's like, I had a reservation at 12. We're a little late. It was four. <laughs> it was 4 p.m. We're a little late. They're like, you know what? We have one table. You just got to be out by 6.30. And it was packed. And we had a table. Yeah. They didn't want to deny Nina four black women. Nina does whatever she wants. Nina's <laughs> She's so much fun. Nina takes what she wants. Nina Parker. I'm so happy that you and Nina are friends. Man. Yeah. They, we have a good time. And I, I tell people this. When you meet people in this industry where it can be competitive, it is competitive. You just never know how people are going to be. Are they going to look at you like, oh, you know, I'm like, they feel like they can't be friends with you because there could be a competition. Nothing like that with her. She's been helpful. She's taught me like tricks of the trade. And I brag to people about that all the time. Like she's a really good person. Like she's really been helpful and a good friend to me. I've been knowing her longer than you. So she likes me better. I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's some, I don't know, sister girl in that y'all do that me and her probably can't do. We're also sorority she's, sisters. She's been, yeah, but that's, you know, you, she, this, whatever. She, she's been a more important person in my life than she's been in your life. It's facts. You, y'all just heard me talk about how competitive things can be in this industry. You see Van trying to compete with me right now. This is the kind oh, of shit I- I'm talking about. But I make oh, oh. it. I make no bones about the fact <laughs> that if it's about friendship with Nina, it's a competition. No, I'm just no joking. you I'm and black. Nina go way back to TMZ days. I wouldn't even try. But Nina, to Nina, Nina is a, one of the. She's a fantastic, fantastic person to know, uh, because she's genuine. Mm-hmm. You know, she's the, a genuine you always know person. where you stand with Nina, and I love that. The type of person that I am. Like she, she's genuine, man. Look, look. People talk about the people that they know in LA, and oh, LA is so fake, and all of that stuff. And I tell those people, you're fake, because I'm in LA. I know real people. I know Nina. I know Rachel. I know Jomi. You know, like I know Steve. I've met <laughs> like I've met real people in LA. I know Otto. Like I have friends. You know a Lawrence lot of Bender. real people. Like I feel like yeah. a lot of people that Nick. people that I've met through you. I'm there's nothing Hollywood about it. Even when it could uh, be. What's, what it could, what's Brian up to? What's he what's he doing? Is Man, he, uh, Brian is on cloud nine. So 
Mm. He didn't tell me this till after the fact. I guess he didn't want to jinx it even more, but we all know Brian's from Miami, big Miami Heat fan. He is ecstatic that they are made it to the championships when, you know, all odds were against them. I kind of, I guess, being the eighth seed. And so he's very happy. But you know, he has the thread, right? With his group, with his, with his guy friends. Yeah. Well, after the Heat went up 3-0, he said they're going to sweep the, um, uh, they're going to sweep Boston. He made that statement. And then if you follow the series, you know that Boston won three in a row. They suspended yeah. Brian from the thread for making oh that. Oh, my God. <laughs> he didn't tell me till after. He said it was the dark time. He said they suspended him from the thread for making that comment and said that he jinxed them. And now he gets to come back because of no, they made no. some championship. They can't let him back. <laughs> They have to keep him out of the thread Why? until after the finals are over. The Heat going to lose. If they let Brian <laughs> back into the thread, the Heat are going to lose. Okay, I'll They have him. to keep him out. Yeah, tell him out. You, you got to tell them. You got to tell them right now. They have to keep Brian out of the thread. <laughs> and I bet you that Brian will, will trade being out of the thread for That's the whole true. NBA Finals for a championship easily, right? Especially That's true. Jimmy Butler get a championship. It's amazing. Um, so it, there's been some devastating news that's happened. Oh my gosh! In the last, yeah. uh, I want to say this. Um, one of the most talented, down to earth, funny cool, amazing people I've ever had the pleasure to meet or know from uh, a career in the media is DC Young Fly. Uh, I interviewed DC Young Fly, I think it was 2018 or 2019 for the Red Pill Podcast. It's the first time I ever met him. And during that interview, we would talk about, I would bring up, oh, I was asking him questions. Like, what is it like for women? I would throw something like that. And every time I would say woman, he would be like, Miss Jackie O. He would bring it back to the fact that he was in a relationship, that mm-hmm. he was with someone, and that he wanted people to know, at least in that interview when I was talking to him, that uh, he was committed and in a relationship, and that's where home was for him. Miss um, Jackie O, DC Young Fly's partner, and the mother of three of their children, the mother of their three children, shall I say, passed away mm-hmm. at the age of 32. Mm. Devastating. Uh, just incredibly saddening. Um, I went to go send a DM to him to say, I'm sorry for your loss. And when I went to go see the DM, I saw a DM that he sent to me after my father died. Mm. That said the same thing. Because the dude is just a good dude. He's just a good guy. Three kids. Um, It's just unthinkable. Yeah. You just ask so many whys and so many questions. Beautiful woman. Uh, they met while... DC and her were both doing Wild and Out. The, you know, obviously you guys know the show Wild and Wild and Out, and it was just gutting 
gutting, gutting to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole 85 South family, DC Young Fly, his children, everyone, my sincerest and most heartfelt condolences, man. Uh, like really, God damn. Just, I'm telling you, man, just nice, real people, not a comedian, not a celebrity, just a man going through this right now. I'm, I, I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. It's just really, really, really horrible. Yeah. Um. So, you know, I know that this pleasantries and we try to start off on a, uh, on a pleasant note, but just want to take the mo- a moment to be human and, and and tell everybody DC Young Fly, the whole Wild and Out family, the whole eighty five South family. Uh, I'm thinking about you guys and your brother, and I'm praying for y'all. Absolutely. All right. Um, on the other side of this, the Little Mermaid. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Rachel, have you seen the Little Mermaid movie? I have. I talked about it on this podcast. I loved it. You enjoyed it? Loved it. I didn't enjoy How? it. I loved it. You thought it was great. Fantastic. Amazing. So the movie is done really well. Have, have you seen it? No, uh, no. You, that's right. You were going to buy a ticket. Yeah. 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 No, I actually, I did see it. Oh, my God. Be honest. I, I saw it. Why'd you change your mind? Because you talk Cause big. Had to be a part you talk of big, the, about, to be a part big about of, not seeing it. I had to be a part of the discourse, so I did see the movie. Um, and so the movie is very successful. Very successful film. Uh, made a lot of money at the box office. Uh, people are loving it. Inspiring a whole generation of young black girls. Of people, but particularly young black girls. So because it was inspiring young black girls, you know that the bullshit was coming. <laughs> okay. Um, the film is an absolute success. Hallie, Javier Bardem, Davi Diggs, uh, Melissa McCartney, everybody, fantastic job to you guys. Um, but I've seen some of the discourse. And some of it's funny, and some of it's downright hilarious. What? Uh, I saw the disc. Uh, so Dr. Umar's discourse was that oh god why do you follow him why what did he say 
Dr. Ball was say? talking about the fact that, you know, it's an interracial relationship. Like <laughs> <laughs> but I thought he excused it for black women. I thought for black women, he was like, it's okay. Yeah, but I don't know if that is for mermaids from back in the day. I think that's for like right now. I don't know if that's for mermaids back in the day. Um, but, you know, that's on brand for Dr. Umar. Dr. Umar, who is really about the black family unit and the black family structure and what he thinks are black people pledging themselves to one another to build community and control culture and control dollars. So you'd expect a movie that celebrates an interracial relationship to draw the ire of Dr. Umar to a degree. Um, But I'm wondering if you heard some of this other criticism coming from a guy named Marcus Ryder, who's a British campaigner who chairs the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. He celebrated the casting of Halley, but said that the film doesn't depict race in the right way. The movie is set in the 18th century uh, and there would have definitely been slavery, chattel slavery going on there. And she is black and we are on the seas where this would have been happening. And he says that in the Caribbean islands, the fact that the movie makes no mention of slavery is unacceptable. He said, I don't think we do our children any favors by pretending that slavery didn't exist. Settling the fan- setting the fantastical story this time and place is literally the equivalent of setting a love story between Jew and Gentile in 1940 Germany and ignoring the Holocaust. Fuck! <laughs> Guns blazing, Rachel. Should there have been in the Disney movie The Little Mermaid with singing and dancing clams and fish and lobsters and a mermaid who falls in love? Should we have put slavery into that? What say you, Rachel? First off, before I comment on this, did you like the movie? I feel like you skipped over it. Because, and I think you did, exactly. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's what I thought. Did you like the movie? Uh, for what it was, yeah. He's, you are not one of us. Why didn't you like the movie? Why didn't you like, because you skipped over oh, it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, I'm not a stupid fan. <laughs> this is what you kept saying. The movie is a success. It's got, and I'm like, no, no, no. But what do you think about the movie? Can I ask a question? Can I ask a question seriously? Why do I have to like the movie? I want to know why you didn't. Because because you know why I want to know? There's a lot of, there's been a lot of criticism around, about this movie. And it's pissing me off. It really mm-hmm. is. And I'm not, and I'm going to get into old boy in a second, but it's really upsetting me coming into this movie. People were very critical about Hallie because she did not look like the cartoon version of Ariel. So you had to deal with all that. Then it's come out and I'm seeing people nitpick this in a way that just doesn't make any sense. Okay. I thought the reimagined version of the Lion King was awful. And I understand, and I, and I can see it just, it just was not good. To me, this was totally different from that. People are talking about the CGI. 
They're talking about her look. They're talking about Ursula's makeup. They're talking about um, the the women being, the sisters being different ra- like races. There's just so much nitpicking with this movie when you just sit down and watch it for what it is. And to me, what it represents with Hallie and, and other people, the queen, the sisters, King Tra, all of it, it's a really good moving movie. And I think the themes that exist within The Little Mermaid are really beautiful. So I'm sick of the criticism, but I noticed that you didn't feel like me. I could tell how you yeah. talked about it. Why didn't you like it? Was it the story? Was it the acting? Was it, was it the special effects? What, what was it, Van? So let so let's let, let's talk about a couple of things. I'm a 43 year old black man. Okay, all right. I'm a 43 year old black man. This movie is not for me. Too okay, much. but you read comics. It's not. You read comics and watch cartoons. I, I I can't. You read comics. But those movies. Comic books. So what does that mean? Those are child stories, like comic books. You started reading them when you were a kid. That stuff is kid reason- stuff. Hold on. It's not. It's not. I, I can tell you right now that you might think comics are something that you get into when you were a child. Okay. They're not child stuff, right? They're, they're really not. Especially the comics that I grew up on when I got into Frank Miller, when I got into Watchmen, when I got into a lot of that stuff. A lot of those things, it's even harder to, un- it's, hard, it's hard to understand if you look at it too child. Like if you're reading Jonathan Hickman, if you're reading Starlin, if you're reading all of those guys and the way, the intricacies of these stories and the concepts and all of that stuff, it's really not kid stuff. But look, I can understand what you're saying. This to me is kid stuff. This is, you know, talking animals and songs and all of that stuff. It's kid stuff. I don't think that it's necessarily for me. I appreciate the movie for what it is. But let me be honest with you. With these Disney movies, these live action remakes, they have all been bad. Okay. The Jungle Book was palatable. I guess, well, well not palatable, tolerable. Okay. The Lion King was bad. Aladdin was atrocious. It's bad. Okay. Aladdin was okay. bad. Uh, the Little Mermaid is better than those, but it's like not something, I don't know what the purpose of these movies really, really is. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know what. Well, like, they're 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 doing them to bring the IP to life, but the the films are better animated. You know what I mean? They 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 are. They they feel more authentic. They're a little bit better. The Beauty and the Beast one to me, once again, it's like that's not. It they're not working for me, and I don't. And and with this movie, I mean, if you're gonna ask me my opinion, nah, it wasn't my thing. Like I, I didn't get into it, but. I think it's important to be positive about the film and to be supportive about the film and not to talk down on the film because of what the film represents. If you're going to ask me whether or not I liked it, no. Like, mm. I didn't. And it did look That's bad. disappointing. To me, it did look bad. It, like, it, it, See, it, it looked bad. So. And, but, when they but were in the, the water look. or out of the water? But, like, the fact that this film looked bad, it's like, this is a running thing with the CGI, not just a fil- of Disney movies, right? Um, not just specifically Disney, of Marvel films over the last couple of years with the crunch and everything like this. And Disney is Marvel, of course, but uh, Marvel is Disney. But we've been going through a CGI issue for a while. So it didn't, I wasn't shocked that this didn't look great. Okay. Um, but I thought she was mesmerizing. 
Um, I also did not see the movie on big screen. Uh, so like, maybe so that. Maybe, maybe she 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 was mesmerizing. She was fantastic, and you know, it, I, I I I temper my expectations for a film just like I think people should do for some of the Marvel movies, for who the film is for, and it, that this movie wasn't really. It's not for me. So it's not the worst thing I ever saw. But if you're asking me if this should. That's a comparison. I mean, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. Jeez. Um, It's, it's you know, I didn't. Interesting. Agree to disagree. You know, a a man swinging around in a a suit doing this is kid-like. Whatever, you know. Look, look, look. To me, to me, this, this, this is the way I look at it, right? So, I mean, Spider-Man, to be, to be honest with you, Spider-Man is probably one of the more kind of kiddie things. And obviously, I don't think these things are kiddie things because uh, and maybe they are, right? I've been into them for a long time and I've seen, I mean, I- I've seen kind of the stories be really, really violent. Like, there's all different types of comics, right? Like, it'd be, uh, there's certainly comics that I read that are not for kids, um, there's certain com- there's certain certainly comic book movies that are not for you wouldn't say Deadpool is for kids, right? Never seen it. Well, I mean, there's a I don't know very high about body it. count in the movie, and there's okay. blood everywhere. Or well, like Logan wouldn't be for kids, so it's like, you know, there are certain there there are Disney movies to me that like aren't necessarily for kids, but this is one that's for children. I guess what I would argue is I think you look at things different. The way I look at Little Mermaid now and the themes and that exist within it, I didn't recognize as a child. So it's, I saw it one way as a child. I see it another way as an adult. And I would say th- the same thing. Why are you some my mic? I, I would say the same thing about um, these other movies, right? Like I saw Spider-Man into, uh, into the Spider-Verse. I thought it's an, it's an animated movie. I thought it was very good, but I, lo- I didn't look at it, it through the eyes of a child there are themes in it where as an adult, I was like, oh, like this is really good. I laughed. There are adult jokes. I was entertained. And I think you can say that for a lot of these movies as well. Eh, agree to well, disagree. Well, to be real with you, Spider- to be real with you, I would say that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse or um, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, that is for kids. Um, like that, that, which, that, which one's that's the sequel? A, that's a, into the Spider-Verse? Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, that's across, the one I saw. Into the Spider-Verse is perfect. Well, I've seen yeah. both, but that's the one I've just saw. Yeah. Across the Spider-Verse. Like that, that, I would say that that is for kids. Okay. Like, I, the character of Miles Morales, to me, especially in the way that he is right now, is a little bit more, you know, that's a little bit more angsty and angst-ridden. That's why I said the, the Spider-Man from the MCU, you know, you could argue that that's some Disney XD shit. And I have argued that that's some Disney XD shit. But, you know, then what happens after that is Spider-Man that I read when I was a kid, you know, Spider-Man was struggling to make ends meet. He was recently married. Like he, you know what I mean? All of those things were things that I couldn't relate to when I was that's 11 or 12. In the, that's in the new one. Oh, is it? Yeah, that, without giving it away, I'm not trying to get in trouble. There, that is something that happens in this one. Mm, okay. So like all of that stuff, it just depends on the story. But yeah, so, it, you know, I, I'm not going to go into a movie that's like, for 11, 12, 13-year-old girls and then be shocked if I'm not, like, overjoyed about it, right? Okay. Well, yeah. I thought, you know. Um, okay. So, okay, so... What's slavery. this dude's name? What's this dude's name? His, his name Marcus, is... Um, Marcus. His name is 
Marcus Ryder. And he said, see, that would have been different. Maybe it would have been a little bit more like mature and for a 43-year-old guys if it had been some niggas getting whipped in it. <laughs> because that's what Marcus wanted. Marcus wanted the little mermaid roots. You know what I mean? Think, think, think about this. Think about if there would have been a scene. Think about, I want y'all to think about what Marcus wanted. This is what Marcus wanted. Marcus wanted there to be a slave ship headed Basically. towards the Caribbean and Ariel pop up out the back of the water and free everybody. Because <laughs> that's a totally different movie. Like, and Or Ariel be singing and turn around. Can you imagine how the movie looks if Ariel turn around and she locks eyes with one of our enslaved ancestors or she asks Triton or whatever, why do they look like me? You know what I mean? Or if Ariel gets kidnapped and then put into slavery, you get the Little Mermaid mixed with 12 years of slave. Okay. It's I can't. Dog. I'm saying like, I, I, this was hilarious to me, man. Marcus. I, I, wanted to have, I wanted to have Marcus on the podcast. This I was thought hysterical. about it, but I can't. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like this is if the purpose was for you to just have a hot take, a different take than we've seen on the Little Mermaid. Congratulations. You accomplished it. And a lot of people are talking about it. But this is truly one of the more idiotic takes that I've seen. Because he contradicts himself. I went on and I read his full article. But he contradicts himself. Because he acknowledges, okay, he, he, he gives a lot of positive things towards the movie. I'll, credit, I'll give him that before he completely turns on it. But what doesn't make sense is he acknowledges that they take, that they make differences in this film in regards to race, pretty much race. And he, this, these are his words as a social construct, as we know it in reality does not exist under the water. Because if you watch this movie, Ariel is black. Her sisters are an array of different cultures and ethnicities. They all look different. The seven sisters, her dad is Spanish. Prince Eric is white. His mom is black, even though he had, she's a, she adopted him. You see everyone in this film. So by his own words, race does not exist in this way. So in this fantasy world that it, where the Little Mermaid is, if race doesn't exist, how are you going to all of a sudden make slavery exist? Why does an actual place exist as a setting? You don't know if it's in the Caribbean. That is never established. You are simply basing that off of water and Sebastian's accent. It doesn't say that it's in the 18th century. You're just assuming that off of the way that the people are dressed on land. All of these are assumptions. The reality is, is this is a fantasy world. They're fucking mermaids and mermen, for goodness sake. None of this is real. And the problem with him comparing it to like a love story between a Jew and a Gentile in 1940s is the difference between fantasy and fiction. This is a fantasy, The Little Mermaid. It explores what's impossible. Fiction explores what is possible, but it's not true. This is so bad that it, it almost enraged me. Matter of fact, I hope Marcus comes. So I will say this. The original Little Mermaid was, in fact... Um, published in 1837. The book. Uh, the book. 
Okay. And so I'm I'm just saying I'm saying that there's you could make an argument that it's supposed to be set in the 1800s. No, because <laughs> no. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Just because the book came out in the 1800s, we live in 2023, and people write about things that don't exist in 2023. It's a fantasy. It could be anywhere. It could be anything. It could be its own world. It obviously is because it could mermaids, be, it, mermaids exist. So I, I'm, I guess, I guess my thing is. So what you're saying is that. This exists in the world because if you if you set a movie on world. Earth in nineteen in this fantasy world and you're saying in this world there's no racism there's no slavery that's what there's the no movie permi- it's like it's almost as if there was never any slavery because there's like no race or race is like not well, a social construct in this in this world do you know what I think function. about about why the sisters are different races and all of that <laughs> stuff because they fish. Think about the animals, right? So if you have a dog, you know, and if you look at Bozeman's it brothers and sisters. It makes all the sense in the world. Some <laughs> of them are like all, some of them, Bozeman's black and brown and white. But some of his his brothers and sisters, one is brown. You know what I mean? One is brown with a little black. Sense. They look different. It makes My sense. My sister down there right there. I'm a regular black American. My sister downstairs right now is basically a white person. <laughs> Gee, don't do it, Anthony, like that. She's the same color as these walls. Don't so you. it happens. Mark, y'all got to relax, bro. Celebrate this film. Celebrate the fact that this movie is an absolute success. Yes. A star has been born in Halle Bailey. And the reality is that we don't have to think peace. Who watched the movie and went, where the slaves at? God damn. <laughs> <laughs> I think on, when y'all. I interviewed them, I said, where is this place? I think I asked that. And and I think they said something oh, about I, South so, America. Wait a minute. <laughs> so when you, you asked them, where's this place? Because you wanted to know where you could go, to go, where the white boy's at. That's basically <laughs> what you was asking. <laughs> where the white boy's at? Over <laughs> here, the, right the, there. <laughs> where the white boy's like, at? That, 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 that. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Where the white boy is at? You know what I mean? (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Um, big news in the <laughs> world of uh, sports debate talk shows. Shannon Sharp is leaving Undisputed. Shannon yeah. Sharp, who's been with Skip Bayless for a while now, also has his Club Shay Shay podcast. He's a fellow Equinox member. I see Shannon in there lifting so much weight that it makes me want to take steroids. Uh, he's leaving Undisputed. I don't want to take steroids, guys, but that nigga's strong as fuck. Okay? <laughs> he's leaving Undisputed. It's going to be a buyout. Buyout the rest of his contract. And Skip Bayless will need a new co-host. The show comes on in the morning. It is opposite first take. They debate some of the hottest topics in sports. And as we have covered here, things have been, what would you say, testy, Rachel? Strained? Between yeah. Skip and Shannon yeah. in the last year? Uh, when you saw this news, what did you think? Do you think that Shannon is sick of Skip Bayless's bullshit and he's out? Or do you think this is more about career? I think it's both. I think that he's obviously sick of Skip. We saw him take a full day off that he was because he was so frustrated. I think that's obvious. And it seems to be a, a pattern when people work with Skip. They just seem to get sick of him all of a sudden. Yeah, think about it. He's dealing with Skip five days a week. It's a lot. And I feel as, as if Shannon also has to defend himself sometimes because of the things that Skip says. And make sure that he's, you know, like still holding it down. It's a lot. There's a big responsibility for Shannon Sharp. So we knew this was coming. So I'm not surprised. But also, his star is so big. He's so talented. He's so great on television. He's got a successful podcast. He's got, there's so many memes about him. He's good on, on social as well. That I think that there are bigger things for him than to be opposites Skip Bayless. I think he's going to go on and do bigger things. I think that he's prob it's probably an issue with the network as well. So I'm curious to see what Shannon Sharp does next. But this is the least surprising news. Maybe we maybe came sooner than I thought it would come, but Shannon's bigger than the show right now. So this was interesting to me in a couple of ways. Number one is interesting in like Shannon Sharp's star and how it's on the rise and uh, some of the things that have happened. I mean, the ways that Skip Bayless has, some of the exchanges that Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp have had, uh, they always struck me because Shannon always, to me, had an extra burden in those exchanges. Okay. So, mm -hmm, to me, mm -hmm. when Skip Bayless is going back and forth with Shannon Sharp, and he's saying that Shannon Sharp is jealous of Tom Brady, and, you know, there's a point Shannon Sharp gets really upset. Well, Skip Bayless is saying that Shannon Sharp is being critical of Tom Brady's play because he's jealous of him. For you guys that don't know, uh, Shannon Sharp is a three-time Super Bowl champion and is in the NFL Hall of Fame. So the fact that another player's accolades, even if they are um, superior to Shannon Sharp's, the fact that he would really be jealous of anyone right. is kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. He pretty much had the ideal position for the ideal uh, career for his position and his time than anyone could have. He's a Hall of Famer, bar none, won everything, set records, all of that stuff, right? Um, I remember there was a point where Shannon Sharp takes his glasses off and mm -hmm. he's trying to ask Skip, he's saying, you would disrespect me for, for Tom Brady. And Skip goes, put your glasses back on. 
And it made me uncomfortable, and I'll tell you why. Skip, to me, didn't understand what it was like for Shannon to be in the seat across from him. Shannon is a big black man. At any point, he could have looked like he wanted to come across the desk on Skip or looked like he he was being aggressive in a certain way towards Skip. And Shannon would have been excoriated for that. Mm -hmm. Skip Bayless continuously, in my opinion, disrespected Shannon Sharp in a way that Shannon Sharp uh, that put him at a disadvantage because he really couldn't treat Skip that same way. Yeah. He couldn't cut Skip off and be aggressive towards Skip and do all of that stuff. Be- one, because Skip is more powerful in the show. They built that show around Skip. But also, because if at any point Shannon Sharp looks like he's a little too aggressive with Skip Bayless, the narrative changes. Mm-hmm. And... There's something else on the other side of that. And being a black guy on a white show before, I know how this goes as well. If you don't do that to a degree, if you don't, as Shannon Sharp, check Skip Bayless, as people will want you to check him, or shut Skip Bayless down, or get Skip Bayless right, then black people would be like, how in the fuck is Shannon Sharp letting Skip Bayless talk to him like that? And that's a thing for me when I was in kind of that same situation that might cause me to overreact to things <laughs> sometimes. Mm-hmm. Would cause me to go, hey, well, shit. N- number one, I can't let you get off of me like this. And number two, I can't let black people think that I'm standing here for you to get off on me like this. Mm-hmm. And because Skip Bayless probably is not interested in that at all. One time, Skip Bayless asked Shannon Sharp what he would do if somebody called him an N-word on the street. And then made it seem, and then put Shannon Sharp in a situation to where Shannon Sharp is arguing whether or not it would be okay to physically assault somebody. Shannon Sharp goes, you probably have to find another co-host. And Skip Bayless goes, so you throw it away. You throw all this. There was just, there's a part of this that I think was different between Skip and Stephen A., and with Shannon, who he is and who he was, I really think that sometimes when white people see that guy, they want to take a chunk out of his ass a little bit more. They mm. talk to him a little bit different. That the what Shannon was given to Skip, the big accomplished athlete, Skip treated him different, and it was it put Shannon in and. I feel that same time. I'm not an ex-NFL player, but I'm a six foot four, 275-pound sure. black man. And so sometimes when people are fucking with me, it's almost as like if they get my scalp, then that's a better one for them to have. It's they they want to be like, okay, this guy here, we got him under control, which makes me hypersensitive to that. And then after I'm hypersensitive, now we're no longer debating about sports. I'm letting you know that you can't fuck over me. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're doing that every single time. I think that got old for Shannon. Yeah. I think it got old for Shannon. Skip, Skip, number one, not understanding that. And number two, Skip bowing up to him a little bit and putting him in a position where we're looking at him like, dog, what you going to say? We've even done it here. I've done it here. Like, Skip yes, really treats have. Shannon like shit. And so 
you know, I'm even, I've even fallen victim to it. So I just think he got sick of that and he doesn't have to take that from him. And I no. think, last thing I'll say is like black people, a lot of times in situations all over America where they don't have the power or the money or the resources to say, hey, buy me out, I'll go do something else. Um, you know, Skip is in, uh, Shannon's in a different position. A lot of people can't do that. So I'm glad that he, uh, if in fact this is the reason, I'm glad that he, that he, that he decided to get himself out of that situation. Yeah. No, couldn't agree more. I can't wait to see what Shannon Sharp does next. What do you think he'll do? I'm not sure. Who do you think should replace Skip, uh, Shannon on what, what, I got, I got a name for you. I do too. Joy Taylor. Oh, I'm not going to top that. Joy Taylor should replace Shannon Sharp. She on absolutely Undisputed. should. But let me tell you something. If you thought Skip disrespected Shannon, watch the way he's going to disrespect Joy. Joy would fucking skin. Don't doubt skip it. Skip alive. Don't That's doubt it at all. That's the reason why. Would Don't get doubt skip it right at all. And, and the optics would be different if he tried to get too spicy with her, which is probably why he wouldn't do it. But <laughs> I think I, I think Joy would be, because I was thinking about it. Acho's probably not going to go that. Shady McCoy's probably not going to. They may bring somebody in. Nick Wright wouldn't be bad. But I think Joy Taylor would be perfect for I it. And that would be, be a way for them to shake it up. I wouldn't be shocked if Emmanuel did it at all. Really? I, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm just saying that's a three-person show. This is two. It's one-on-one. It's big. It's a big seat to fill. And I think he would. I would. I would. If it was offered to him, I really bet he would take it. But I like the Joy choice, and I know Joy could handle her own. But I like that. That's not who I was going to say. I like it. Who are you going to say? Who are you going to say? I was going to say Marcellus. I don't think Cell will go back. I don't think he would either. But that was my name. I'll be honest with you, though. Maybe he would. You know, you, you throw some, throw throw the right bag. You know, throw the right bag and sell. Maybe he would. But, you know, it, 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 in that situation, I think this might also send, signal that this era of sports talk, even, even first take has changed a little bit from the old formula. This era of, this era of sports talk might be wearing and grading on people, not just the people who watch it, but the people who participate as well. Isn't that just like the theme of what is happening right now in the industry? The industry is really just turning a corner and really just seems to be out of, not out of whack, but everything that we knew, I feel like, or we've been doing for the past few decades with TV is not working anymore in light of social media and streaming services. It'll be really interesting. You're right. Same with like entertainment magazine shows. All the information is out. Why are you, why are you always laughing? Why you always got a smirk on your face when I talk? What, man? No. What? It's not, it's nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Nothing. No, you're right. I was, it, it, it's, it's the next topic. I looked at the rundown. <laughs> okay, to, okay. To go to the next okay. topic. It's the well, next topic. Never my mind. point was just that things don't have to exist the same way because of how things are turning with social media and streaming and everything. And we don't consume so, things the same way. So you're right. That air is over. A lot of what I do on entertainment magazine news, it's it's like, who is the audience? Because everybody can get it on your phone first thing in the morning. Are you oh. saying that 
are, are you saying that like like access Hollywood or extra? I'm just saying done? no, I'm just saying that they're fading out. I mean, who Yeah. Who wakes up and who is like I'm going to go I'm going to go watch this. They've already read all of that stuff. And celebrities don't regard them in the same way because they take control of their own brands in regards because of social media, they give exclusives to to print. Print's not going anywhere. Print, people will sit down with a magazine um, or like a Hollywood reporter. Well, that's a magazine, but you know, like those type of things all the time. But the TV stuff, not so much. I don't know if I agree that print's not going anywhere, but well, I will say Well, certain this. print, like the varieties, pe- celebrities still look at that in a different way because I will see them With some skip- prestige to it. Yes, yeah. I will see them skip national outlets, but we'll talk to Variety, Deadline, Hollywood Reporter. Because, yeah, it's it's different than the way that they look at the other stuff. What are you going to say? Um, it's funny that you mentioned this because I remember when North was born, the Kardashians gave the story to TMZ. They gave her name to TMZ, the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when the next baby was born, it was on Instagram. <laughs> I remember when I saw that, I was like, wow, that's different. Like people, and you know, it's like, you have to change the way you cover things. It, it, you go from being a celebrity news situation to being like a current events type of deal. It's like, whatever. All right, so. What Joe story Biden has you? The, uh, no, that's what's, that's the smirk on your face. You're cruel, man. You're cruel. You're cold. <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, so Joe, Joe so, Biden. So the Air Force Academy commencement. And uh, this is in Colorado. You know, they're graduating. Shout out to those guys. And Joe's got his hat on. I don't know if you've seen it. But uh, you saw it. You saw it. And so Joe, looks like he was about to turn What's around. What's his hat on got to do with it? The fact that he has his hat on. <laughs> what does that have to do with the story? Joe, uh, Joe, Joe's, because he had the hat on, he was looking like Top Gun. He was like a bureau. His hands right? were like this. <laughs> like, like, he was like a bureau. Right? And Joe, Joe looked like he was going to turn around and kind of like get a little jog off the stage. <laughs> that motherfucker Joe <laughs> just tripped straight down. Look, man. So here's the thing. It's watching people falling is funny. You guys, I fell uh coming down the bleachers, ninth grade year, Baton Rouge, <laughs> right here in this city, McKinley High School. And I just I fell in slow motion and I actually <laughs> looked around to see if anybody saw me. And everybody did and everyone laughed. It's funny when people <laughs> fall. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. It's like a fall is always funny. Um, but it's interesting that Joe Biden fell and even the president falling becomes a politically charged incident. Okay. President Harris was trending on Twitter after he fell. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's so messed up. It's not funny. It's not funny, guys. It's, it's not, not funny. It's not. it's not. I mean, 
the, the him falling was funny because he tried no. to Donnie jump Donnie jump on. The best part Donnie, like, was that after he got up, he pointed to something on the ground. He pointed to something. He wanted to let everybody know. People know. Th- this is a faulty stage. It was the best he, part. He, he tripped over a sandbag. And the narrative that comes out is he's feeble. And so that he truly. I don't like, don't use that word. Don't use feeble. No, I'm I'm <laughs> it hits serious. harder. It hits harder. <laughs> the narrative that comes out is that he's feeble and he tripped because he's feeble. But the, but this is a real thing. Earlier in the week, James Vanderbeek um, trended on Twitter because he feels like that the Democrats should open up the debate for fucking Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Marianne Williamson, or whomever else is primarying Joe. Uh, and these are, there are a lot of people out there. And the Vanderbeek thing is very specific. There's some anti-vax stuff in there um, that Vanderbeek's wife supports. And so he is, he wants his guy, which is Robert Kennedy Jr., to be able to uh, uh, debate Joe Biden. And he's basically saying that because of that, uh, that he feels like the Democrats are doing a disservice to Americans by not letting this debate happen. I don't think that there's any real political value to anything um, that, uh, that James Vanderbeek is saying. However, there is something that people are wondering in terms of 2024 and whether or not Joe Biden is healthy enough to go through the campaign and a four, another four years of being president. And at times, you know, Joe ain't as young as he used to be. So at times, it does seem as if he struggles a little bit. Um, for you, are you concerned? We're not going to talk about him tripping, okay? He was smiling after this. He jogged towards his vehicle. He's he, fine. Oh, he did. He okay. wanted to make sure that he showed people that he was okay. <laughs> Are you concerned? Did he keep the hat on when he jogged? When he jogged his vehicle? Yeah. He's 80 years old. Okay. He 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 jogged, he had the hat on. Are you concerned about Joe Biden at all? Listen, he's older. We know this. It was the same thing we were talking about in the last election. And he did fine. He's fallen a few times, but he's gotten right back up. Donnie, play the song. Put it in and post. We fall down, but we get up. And he does every single time. And now he's running for for president again. Listen, it's obviously a concern. It is not my greater, I have greater concerns. You know, there are other things that are important that we as a society want to see go through that come in, that we want to see Biden do into the next election. I'm not hung up on his age. And let's not forget, Trump is 76, guys. He's 76. He's right behind him. And we all know, typical with the Republicans, that what applies to one doesn't apply to the other. We know that. But they're older. And typically, presidents are older. Now, we know Biden's be the oldest, but still, it's not, it's, it's not as big of an issue. So, it's just another so, thing so, for them to harp on. Do you think that because of the president's age and the fact that he's taken a couple of spills, that it's important that going into 2024, I'm being serious here, that the Democrats uh, reaffirm their support, belief, um, and their investment into Kamala Harris? Do you think it's important that a lot of Americans uh, believe that she's capable of running the country? Well, I think Um, you have to. 
And you and, yeah. and it shouldn't come to the fact that he's 80. You should be doing that before, right? Whoever's the vice president. Why? In case something happens to the president, the vice oh. president is next. I know, but we we never give a fuck about whether or not right, the vice president I'm just can saying, run the country. I get it, but I'm just saying you should, right? We're thinking about it now because of his age, but we should be thinking about that. So absolutely, we should be reaffirming Kamala Harris and we should be supporting her. And there is a possibility. Now, you looked at the what was trending. What were people saying about President Harris? Were they were they in? Well, were there they, were two were things. They happy One about of, it? it was on both sides. Obviously, it was like. A vote for Joe Biden is a vote for Kamala Harris. So if you don't like Kamala Harris, uh, that's a weapon that the right would use to say, don't vote for Joe Biden because he's not going to survive the next four years, which the president gets checked out by doctors. There's no reason to believe at this point, at this point that Joe Biden won't survive the next four years. The guy's older. Obviously, a spill could be very serious for him, but there's no reason to believe that. And then on the other side is people that are just the jokes is flying like, hey, Kamala. I hope you're ready. I hope you're throwing in the bullpen because you might have to step up and pitch a couple innings. You might have to pitch a couple innings. You know what I mean? Um, but look, it's it's a these are the kind of things that when a president, you know, you talk about the history of America and what it means to be president on television. At first, the president was president in newsreels. Uh, the president was president um, at appearances, you know. Now, I don't know if America elects a president in a wheelchair, um, and that's a horrible thought to have, but I don't know if that works. I know that Greg Abbott is, but I don't know if America elects a president in a wheelchair like FDR was. Um, and then things change once you can see your president up on television. And now it's even more than television. We are all present everywhere at all times in the day. You never know when someone is going to take a snapshot of you. Um, and so your political enemies and people who want to get jokes off for you, on you are going to have a lot more opportunities to do so. But I mean, if I don't feel like, to be honest with you, that there's been much investment uh, into Kamala by the Democrats in these first, uh, these first uh, handful of years, these first few years, I don't, I don't think they've really done anything to um, increase her her standing, or they've really supported her in the way that they should. Uh, I don't. I think that they've let her, left her hanging and holding the bag for a lot of things. Um, and I don't think the administration, I think the administration gave us our uh, black vice president and then made sure to remind everyone that this guy is the president and this person is the vice president, which that's maybe how it always that is. Maybe, maybe, always maybe, maybe politically, that's the way that it works. But I do think that we were owed more with her, her candidacy and and her station. And I think uh, because she's the first. No, because not because she's the first. Because I think what choosing her meant, um, in my opinion, was not tokenism. It was agency. And I think what I wanted was someone at a very specific time in, Amer in American history, someone there who had agency to deal with things in a very specific way. Um, I think her being the vice president to me signaled that there was a, um, a multi-generational administration, someone who was a little bit behind him and had a little bit uh, 
a better of a cultural understanding of some of the things that specifically black people needed. But even people who uh, are a little bit younger, the new wave of the left, not that she is a progressive by any means, but that maybe she could speak to that a little bit more. Um, and I think the marginalization that I feel like she's she's had to deal with is indicative of the fact that those older boomers don't want to cede power. And you see this everywhere. You see this in organizations. You see this in packs. You see this everywhere. Um, because they, they, they're, not, they're not ready to take their hands off the whistle. I mean, it's happening on the right too, right? You have Donald Trump who is the older sort of uh, older version of whatever. And he doesn't, he's not ready for DeSantis or Haley or any of these people uh, to come up and usurp him yet. So you know, yeah. it happens. But I, I think it's more important that they kind of lean into that for the next couple of years. We'll see if they will. Speaking of Trump, uh, your guy might be in trouble. You like him. Stop um, it. Stop it. I like you like him. You I think like he's funny. Putting, I, do you think Trump's funny? That that one line is funny. I'm not going to bullshit you. That one. She had a dog named Vagina. That's funny. Dog or I, I, cat's vagina. A dog or cat named <laughs> Vagina. That's funny. Like uh, nothing that Trump, nothing around Trump is, is funny. He's a nothing around him. But he, but he has no, absolutely. But putting fingers. I'm sorry. That shit is funny to me. You, you got to That's Trump didn't come up with putting fingers though. No, like, I know, but his, but his, but still, a pack supporting him is funny to me. You put Trump on me. I said the putting fingers video was funny, and from that, you have now made me a tr- a Trumpster. Um. So apparently, there is a recording of Donald Trump talking about sensitive military documents that he took with him after he left the White House. This guy's a bumbling fucking idiot. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, this is, of course, on the heels of an investigation into Donald Trump and his handling of classified documents, which caused an unprecedented and historic raid on his compound down there in Mar-a-Lago. This recording is apparently from July 2021. It's a meeting in New Jersey between Trump and a bunch of other people that were working on memoir uh, by his former chief of staff, Mark Meadows. And I haven't heard this audio recording yet, but apparently Trump is talking all kinds of wild shit on there about documents that he has. Some stuff having to do with a potential attack on, attack on Iran and all of that stuff. I said Iran. It's Iran. I'm sorry, but I'm from the South. It seems like, Rachel, that they're inching closer and closer and closer to having something actually really substantive on Donald Trump to where his candidacy could be in actual jeopardy. Do you feel that way? No, it definitely does. Um, and it seems that even journalists haven't heard that those that are reporting on this haven't heard the actual recording. It's what there's more than one source is telling them what is allegedly on this tape. Um, and the reason that this tape existed is because Mark Meadows was writing his memoir. And so they would record these conversations because he was working with the people that were helping him with the blah, 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 blah. So I, even the people reporting this haven't heard yet. We just know that it is in the hands of the special prosecutor who's handling the case. It looks bad. I think last week it came out that there was something that was going to hinder Trump's defense in regards to this case. And now we know what it is that they're talking about. I don't know when they plan, you know, or if they will charge him and move forward with this. But 
But I also don't know if it'll affect him with the primary. Nothing has at this point. That's my question to you. Do you think even if they move forward on this case and they charge him, he gets indicted? Do you think that that affects him at all come the primaries in March? You know what the interesting thing about him is? Is that his coalition is ideally the one that you would want for a candidate that you back. Let's say the money leaves Trump because um, I'm not sure what the actual rules are on whether or not you can run if you're indicted, whether or not you can run if you're convicted. I would imagine that if you're convicted of a felony during the uh, during the campaign, that that would have to be somewhat disqualifying. But you know, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm not a constitutional law elections expert. But this is what I'll tell you. In past years, what would have happened would be that uh, you know Trump would become so toxic that the money would move away from him. And the big guys like the Larry Ellisons and the uh, the Koch brothers and the, these guys wouldn't support a run. And because they wouldn't support a run, then Trump would be dead in the water. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and that was and is just American politics. You know, the ability to raise money and use that money to uh, to for your political campaign is, is, is part of what is part of what gets you elected. Trump could be immune to that. I mean, what you've always wanted was a candidate that had such a grassroots appeal, such an appeal with the American people or their constituency that they didn't need to cater to big business. Not saying that Trump doesn't. Um, and that they didn't need these gigantic billionaire donors in order to put them across the finish line. That way, you could elect someone that wouldn't be beholden to special interests after they became the president. That's ideally what you would want. There's an argument to be made that Donald Trump might be that. Not that he doesn't cater to special interests and billionaires. We know that he does. But that even if the money of the Republican Party moved away from Donald Trump, even if the big heavy hitter donors, and they haven't all, they haven't all at all. A lot of them still really love him. Of course, he's still got the My Pillow guy and other guys like that in in, uh, in his pocket. But I believe that even if those guys were to leave Donald Trump, that he could still fundraise based upon his ability to grift and and appeal to just the people, and that would be more than enough for him to uh, uh, run his campaign. Um. And that's, I'm envious of that. I wish that there was a that there was a guy who uh, or a woman or a person on, on that was running for president that I liked or running for anything that I liked that wasn't necessarily beholden to the money and to the structures of the, the way politics work now. And I say all that to say that because of that, because that's probably the only thing barring something, barring something that I'm not up on that could hurt him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anything can, because I don't know I if agree. anything can stop if anything can stop his momentum if he has enough money. And I think he always will, unless will it's something, unless it's a legal issue, like you were saying, which we don't know. If there's something, if you are convicted of a felony, that that prevents you from being able to proceed in the race. That that would be the only thing. It seems like at this point, it would have to be some type something. Have to be some type of law. It won't be the money. It won't be. It won't be um, 
the uh, constituents. It's got to be something like that that holds him back. And even then, he would just say but, there. But, but you know what? Him being convicted of a felony before all of this stuff gets cracked, cracking is is not going to happen. Maybe even not in it's New not, York. It's going to take a while. To, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, Trump's going to so be So we here. just answered our own question. <laughs> yeah. Trump is going to be here. Trump is going to be around, man. It's going to be around. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Uh, Donnie, um, Van Lathe Animal Agent, give it to me. I won't That's let you guys know sound. something real quick. That's a new sound, Donnie. You upgraded. I won't let you guys know something. The circle of life. That's all I'm going to say. The You've circle of itching. life. You've been itching to talk about this. My guy, P22, is in the hereafter. He's running around in that big mountain range in the sky. I won't <laughs> let you guys know that there's three new kittens. P113, P114, and P115. They were born to a five-year-old cougar named P77 that's been tracked since November. Okay? The Los Angeles National Park Service has let us know that we got three little baby mountain lion that are out there doing their thing. Just like a lot of kids today, we don't know who the father is. We might have to do a whole episode of Maury to find out who the father of these three little kittens is. It would be so hilarious to bring them on there. All right. Rachel, I know the natural world upsets you so much <laughs> that you don't care about this, but I am overjoyed. P113, P114, P115. They're out there. I can't wait because the animals are taking this 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 world back. Orcas sank three boats off the coast of Portugal. And while Rachel's on the phone, I gotta tell you guys something. I'm with the orcas, and I'll tell you why. The orcas sank three boats 
off the coast of what nation? Portugal. What did the Portuguese have a lot to do with? Aha, the Little Mermaid slave trade. I think these orcas didn't know what year it was and were trying to help my people by sinking these boats. Not the best strategy, orcas, because who knows if we could swim around in the water, but these orcas are sick of environmental shit. They're sick of these boats fucking polluting and they're sick of the legacy of the Portuguese and their proximity to the slave trade and these orcas are on our side. Now, I'll tell you what, Marcus Ryder earlier, what he wanted, Rachel's texting, what, what Marcus Ryder wanted was he wanted there to be a slave scene in The Little Mermaid. I say no, but what I would be in for is a scene where three fucking angry motherfucking orcas, all right, attack a ship. I want more animal retribution is what I want. We are treating this world so badly. All right? Rachel, you're going to have to say something pretty soon here. We're going to treat this world so badly. You're doing I great. need doing Orca great. Massacre. Did you see this? I saw it. And I wholeheartedly believe it. I, be- I totally believe that the Orcas are coming together. See, I... I Yes, I stepped away for a second because I have a crack in my windshield and I'm waiting for the insurance to call me and I really needed to take that call. And I really needed to take that call because the crack is huge. It keeps growing. So this was like... The crack is huge. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Grow up. Grow up. (laughs) Um, So I apologize. But also, this was your moment. This is your segment, Animal Agent. I wanted to give you the floor. Now, Now that I'm back, no, it's not my favorite segment, but yes, I do believe that the orcas are uniting. And every time I see to 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 take <laughs> to take down ships or whatever it may be, and every time I see one of these stories that you put out there, when you find them, I'm going to be very honest. It scares me because if there is an animal that is going to unite and attack us, it's going to be birds because you see it happen all the time. You see the birds, you know, have you ever been driving, driving and you look up and you see just birds all along the, the, no, no. Um, the, like the wires? Yes. I've seen birds, but I, but, but see, You've I think never that birds, seen treat, that? I think that birds do this to you because they know that you don't like, no, 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 no. It happens all the time. They, they fly all into a park. They fly, they move. I'm telling you, birds are going to come yeah, together and they're going to attack us. First, it's the birds. First, it's air. Then it's sea. Then it's land. Oh, land is I'm actually terrified. Not lying. <laughs> see, see, like, like I, I'm, I'm cool with the animals. When You're the animals gonna, take over again, I'm gonna be like, they don't know you. I'm gonna be, <laughs> they don't I'm gonna, know when you. the animals take over, I'm gonna be like a house nigga to the animals. No. Like I'm, you know, a, I'm a seal, I'm a sell out the rest of humanity. You know, and I'm gonna be like on the side of the animals. Like they're gonna have a thing. I'm gonna be like, you know what I mean? Me and Kalika gonna have a little hut. Don't bring Kalika like into this. Let me tell you. Let me tell you who you're gonna be. You saw the movie Dope. Dope, not dope. Yeah. Excuse me. You saw the movie Nope. Yeah, Nope. 
Nope. Remember the guy at the end turns on them and just gives his body to the thing and it's like, that's <laughs> yeah. you. You think yeah. you're one with the animals. You put your body out there and they just go maul you down. But what a way to we go. For you, that would be poetic. We should say that a biologist at the University of Aveiro in Portugal thinks that this aggression started because an oracle was injured by one of these boats and now sees these boats as a threat and is ramming the boats. And what I'm saying is that's even more. Even if it's not about the history of Portuguese, that's even more. Orca revenge. <laughs> I'm, I'm into that's it. That's your next movie. Six feet over. Orca revenge. All right. Uh, I'm a, most terrifying thing of the week. Um, these reports are unconfirmed, but uh, we have to get somebody on to talk about AI because uh, oh my the conversation about AI is just, it's one of the most important conversations that you can have right now in terms of yeah. the loss of jobs, in terms of what automated systems can do, in terms of uh, what it means for creativity, all of that stuff. AI is just exponentially becoming a part of our lives. That's a good idea. We should get somebody to come on and talk about it. I'm trying to. Um, it was revealed at the Future Combat Air and Space Capability Summit in London that the U.S. Air Force tested an AI-enabled drone that was tasked to destroy specific targets. These reports are unconfirmed. But I want you to listen to what these reports are saying. Apparently, a human operator had the power to override the drone in this simulation. The drone, which was powered by AI, ended up viewing the human as a threat and an impediment to its mission. And it attacked the human operator. It's not funny, but you're reporting. My nigga. <laughs> it's not funny. In all, if, if true, I looked, I read the tweet, then I read the site that this came from. There's going to be more information that comes out about this. I'm imagining that someone will ask some senior person either at the Air Force or at the Pentagon about this. You guys, if true, this is absolutely chilling. I don't know nothing about AI, but it, it, oh, what the fuck? It's your biggest fears realize that the robots would be smarter than us. And it already seems like there's the technology out there that it is. I mean, that's what I want to ask somebody who comes on. What is this with these people going to Congress and saying things are out of control? The people who, create, who are creating this are saying it's gone too far. That's what I want somebody to break down. Where are we with this? Because I feel like every day, we obviously AI has been a around for a while, but it seems like every week we are getting more information about these very scary stories in regards to AI. What's the deal? I want somebody to explain this to me. So in case you guys Thought don't Warriors, know, offer suggestions. Um, in case you guys don't know, this is what happened in the motherfucking Terminator. Uh, Never the, seen we, it. We enabled, we enabled, amazing. 
you know, I, I've talked it's about this amazing. before. At this amazing. point, they they made like you nine get to different a, movies though. But you like, get amazing. to a point where it's like it's fantastic. I've, I missed it. I missed it. At this point, like, why would I My go nigga, back and the, watch the original? So Terminator movie that came out maybe like two years ago. You, you just never been. Well, it's fine. You never why saw would, it. I'm not about to. I'm not. Hold on. I'm not about to ridicule. I'm just saying that's impressive that you managed to miss every single iteration of the Terminator that's ever come out. It's impressive. <laughs> you guys were watching Jesus Christ Superstar, and you didn't see it. I'm not on you. You're my sister. Whatever. I don't. Whatever. I don't. I don't judge you. Um. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So uh, Skynet was a computer program that the government entrusted all of its defensive capabilities to. It became self-aware and started a nuclear war. And then the motherfucking machines that were run by Skynet started trying to kill humans and have their own society. And the only person that could save us was John Connor. So. I don't know why we're delving into this. Same shit happened in The Matrix, really. In The Matrix, if you watch the Animatrix First Renaissance, a robot was accused of killing its master. The robot was then uh, put on trial, executed. The robots then were kicked out. They started their own country. After they started their own country, they ended up working so quickly and so fast that their economy grew. We started a war with them. The robots fucked over us. And then that's how the world ended up fucked up in the Matrix. I, Robot. You love that movie. <laughs> that's one I saw. <laughs> <laughs> Mailbag. Mailbag, Tony. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in first mailback question is from Chauvis on insta they ask what is your stance on house cats they're smaller versions of mountain lion what like a cat cat yeah yeah cats i love cats shocking i know to, to most of you i had a cat i grew up with a cat so i'm i'm a fan of cats i didn't grow up with dogs so, I like a cat. Um, I didn't used to, but I like a cat. I had a very close relationship with a cat named Tom when I was growing up. He was oh, like a that's cute. gigantic friend of mine. Uh, then one day he just left and never came back. And so, I'm not sure what happened. He lived in the but, house? Um, he lived in the house, yeah. Mm. Then one day he just left and never came back. But Tom was my friend. Uh, I have no problem with cats. Cats are, cats are fun. Cats don't love really them. love on you like dogs, but they do love on you. I love it. There's a spe- there's it's different. They take care of themselves. They're not it's it's a different type of thing. Man, I love my cat. I used to tell my I was like one of those kids, tell my cat all my secrets. You know, like I just like don't tell anybody. You know, like you see that you see it in a movie and then you try to should have imitated my cat's my best friend. Don't tell anybody my secrets. <laughs> Rest in peace, the Smokey. Wow. All right, next question. <laughs> R.I.P. Smokey. Okay, uh, Nico on Reddit asks, yeah. uh, should folks be held accountable for the behavior of their friends? This is a van question. <laughs> no. You got the raggedy no. friends. You got the raggedy no. friends. 
<laughs> you know what? I don't. I'm not gonna talk bad about your friends because you have some friends I can fucking talk about too. But I'm not going to because you're not. You're not your friends. No, you shouldn't. Because let me let me tell you what my, what my thing is about this. And I'm glad that this question has been asked. Um, of so course, submitted by to man. a degree, submitted by me. <laughs> of course, to a degree. This is the thing with this about me. I understand people when they say you are who you associate with and all of that stuff. Of course. I get that and those people are not wrong. For me, I never got a pristine group of people to pick from to be my friends. And so, I think I'm a little bit, I, I just didn't. Like, I got like, you know, I'm in the car with my homeboy and he's giving me a ride to school. He gets out. He's got a gun on him. You know, I, I've always had to do like they're, they're guys in the player proof crew who I've told you before turn to a life in the streets and I have to love them through it or like whatever. You know, I just, where I grew up, I'm, a, I give people a little bit more leeway sometimes maybe than I should. Um, and so I, I, and so I, like, I get that. I get people's thing, uh, with all of that stuff. And, and it's not, and anyone who wants to criticize me for that, I get it. I do think, though, that I have to do the best in my life to live a certain way. And I have to balance being both, having both standards for people who I associate with and also being in their lives the person that tries to help them do better. And I think, I think sometimes when you're, like, sometimes like when you're me, that's not always as delicate or easy a dance to do. Well, I think that... And that's I as think, honest as I can be. I think most people would say that. In all seriousness, I think... And especially if you're talking about people that you grew up with, not like... Not to diss newer friends, but not like newer friends. Because I think when people would joke with you, it's like it's like a glasses or a, an academics. But like, there's something different about your childhood friends and the ones that you grew up with who, who like... Y'all grew up together. Yeah. A, a friend gives grace and leeway to their friends when they're when when they act out a certain way or do certain things. Otherwise, you're not a friend. You know, as, as the way people think that I that I could be judgmental or, or hard up, I'm, I give my friends a lot of grace. I don't have perfect friends either. I just don't talk, and I don't talk about them on the podcast. <laughs> I don't talk yeah. about them. I have a question for you, Rachel. And um, no. can I have the last uh, mailbag question, Donnie? What is it? Yeah, this time. Okay. Oh, ooh. Rachel, have you ever had... <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, have this is for all four of you guys. Ashley, Donnie, have you guys ever had a ringworm? No, but I used to always think that I was, you know, like you see other people get it, and I was like, oh man, I'm gonna have a ringworm. I've never had one. You have, Donnie? yeah, same. I never had it either, but it was always a fear. Like ringworm was out there. I saw classmates get ringworm, and I was always afraid of getting it, but mm-hmm. never did. Ashley, have you ever had yeah, ringworm? Yeah, I'm the same. No, I've never had it. I've heard like stories about people having it before, so I like stayed away from like cold hot dogs or whatever. What? Just so that I wouldn't get it. Ashley, wait, cold yeah, like what? <laughs> First of all, you should never eat a cold Somebody hot dog. Somebody told me they got it. It's, well, when you're a child and you get like those Lunchables with like hot dogs in it, you're kind of like, oh, I would eat this. And then somebody told me they got a ringworm from a cold hot dog or something. Nigga, what? And so what? I stayed away from them. It's an yeah, urban. No, it's this a is urban legend. It's urban. Yeah. <laughs> uh of course, of course, I've had it. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> How many times, man? Jeez. Um, so look, like I um I had ringworm. I don't know what to tell you guys. Like I've had ringworm. Like a ringworm I've had. Who submitted and, this question? No, it was I'm asking this question to you oh. guys. <laughs> uh I, I, I'm from the country. And that has um, nothing to do with it. <laughs> yes, it does. I feel like if you're from the country, you're more likely to get rainworm. You don't think so? <laughs> no. I do. I think so. But I had I had ringworm. I, I had ringworm one time. And I remember I had it and it was on the side of my head. That's when that's those are the worst. <laughs> yeah. The worst. I had it, it was on the side of my head. I remember my barber went, my barber was cutting my hair. It was, it was itching me, but I didn't like, I still, I didn't know what it was. And my barber was like, cut my hair. And he went, eh. nigga, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I, I, I was like, what? He was like, you heard what the fuck I said. What the fuck is that? Bruh? And I was like, nah. And the guy named Orlando was like, dog, that looked like a fucking ringworm, bro. Get up. Get up. Got up. And a ringworm right there. A ringworm on the side of my head. I don't know how I got it. Maybe it was maybe from my football helmet or something like that. But uh, I've had ringworm. And I was just, I was. Do you have one now? Kids. No. Because I'm I was like wondering why. Some, <laughs> I was talking to some kids yesterday. And they pointed at one of the kids and it was like, he has a ringworms. Kids outside playing in this neighborhood where we got the Airbnb. And I was so fucking disgusted. I was like, oh my God, I had to go in and take a shower, wash everywhere because I don't know, they're joking about who has ringworm. I just haven't heard anyone talk about ringworm in a long time. And I was just wondering if any of you guys have ever had ringworm. Rachel, I knew you never had it because you just, I, I can Why? just tell because ringworm not in your tax bracket. One of my sisters had it. One of my sisters got it. I can't remember which one, but one of them had ringworm. Did they? Did, did the judge kick him out the house? No. Get out of here. Get your filth out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to go. All right, take your pink caps off, but do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Bye, guys. <laughs> 